Innovation Scouting and Strategic Partnerships in Automotive Industry. Dear audience, my name is Ludmila Der. I'm the Managing Director of Elite Experts Conferences and I would like to welcome you to the next episode of the Elite Experts Conferences podcast. Whether at live events or in the digital world, we bring together cool promising tech startups with exciting innovative global players and generate a platform where the world of sustainable technology meets. Get to know the different companies, but also the inspiring leader personalities behind these brand names. Our motto is towards a better and cleaner future through knowledge transfer and technology. We have today three outstanding guests in our premium panel, Innovation Scouting and Strategic Partnerships in Automotive Industry. It is my honor and pleasure to introduce to our audience Jörg Brandscheid, a CTO at Polestar. Our loyal listeners already know that we follow the story of Polestar with a lot of enthusiasm. Because already in the fourth episode, we welcome Thomas Ingenla, the CEO of Polestar, as our guest. So we can definitely look forward to seeing how this story continues. But first, shortly about Jörg's background. After over 19 years at General Motors, starting as project engineer and finishing in the role as head of GM powertrain electronic development, Jörg, you moved on to the role as head of electronics development at class in agriculture machinery. In 2014, you joined Sherry in China, where you had the role of Executive Director Engineering. Moving on in 2017, you started as VP Engineering Powertrain, Drivetrain Electronics at Continental. After two years, you moved on to Hella as EVP Electronics, where you also were a member of Executive Board. In October 2021, you joined Polestar. What a journey! Our second guest is Andrea Hayes as Director Product and Program Management Global XBU Innovation at Yangfeng. Andrea, you have not less impressive professional journey. Initially, you worked at Johnson Controls for interior products and moved in 2003 to Program Management, where you first worked as Program Manager and later as Program Director on global projects, leading teams from acquisition through the development phase to launch. In 2014, you moved to Johnson Control Seating Europe headquarters and took over the program management office with a seat on the board. And in November 2021, you joined Jan Feng Technology. And last but not least, I would like to introduce our third guest, Gustav Tuschen, EVP at AVL for Industrial and International Operations and Business Development Truck and Bus. Gustav, you just recently changed to AVL and your previous role was EVP Product Engineering and Procurement Daimler Buses at Daimler, where you previously worked for decades. So enough for the introduction, now let's start with our panel discussion. Jörg, a number of key trends have emerged in the automotive industry in recent years. So for example, we can name electrification autonomous driving, connectivity. That are just a few of them, right? Which of all major topics, but also maybe subtopics, do you see as the current focus for Polestar and why is that so? Yeah, on the topics what you just mentioned, we are on as well as a new brand anyway. And we think we are also somehow classified as a technology brand. That is out of the questions. We are on that topics. But the question is, what is the differentiator of Polar, Polestar and where we are focusing on? And that is the main attributes is design, it's sustainability, 
and it is performance, what we what we define then basically as our engineering focus point and to create the cars. When we are talking about performance, it is not the performance from zero to 100, the acceleration, or it's also not the performance to, to get to a certain top speed. It is more the driving behavior to adjust the, the chassis system and to establish a kind of feeling fun for driving. That is this, and on, on sustainability particular, I think it is well known. We are, we are driving this as a Scandinavian company anyway forward. We have a kind of moonshot goal to create a car, CO2 neutral by 2030, and that is currently driving a lot of engineering effort. We are aware that we cannot do this alone. Currently, we are looking for a lot of partners, and that drives us currently to coordinate these activities with the partners and to constantly work on a CO2 down roadmap. Oh, we will definitely talk about the topics that you mentioned. And actually, I was testing myself, like, Posta should stand for design, right? And you say it, design, sustainability, performance. Okay, well done. <laughs> Actually, we will go in much more details in the course of the discussion, but now let's find first out what are the current topics for all the panelists. Now, so, Andrea, very, very similar question for you. Jan Feng is also involved in so many areas, be it interior, exterior design, safety system, connectivity, etc. And also at this first glance, one might think that some trends like autonomous driving affect you a lot and others, like, for example, electrification doesn't. But... Is it really true? I mean, is it really not so important which kind of powertrain the car has? So which trends and movements in the market are you most influenced by and where are you currently focusing and do you have also to prioritize there? Well, you're right. For us, it's no matter what powertrain the car has. So for electrical vehicle, we have also the need of interiors parts. Safety is included with airbags. We have electronics in lighting and exterior part. But for electronic electrical vehicle, it's the energy management is very important. So the focus for heating is a different and also lightweight is very important. Heated surface in the interior parts are their solution. What we see as a strong trend that together to the electrification, the digitalization and the connectivity is a strong trend. The smart cabin approach. I think everybody from us is aware about these displays. They get bigger and bigger from each car. So for infotainment, is that in very, very important. We're focusing on Yang Feng on this topic at the smart capping approach at our show car, the XIM23, very strongly. So XIM means experience in motion. And there, the connectivity together with personalization is a need for the next generation. And also the combination between digital and physical capabilities for customized in-car experience we are focusing on. That's what we do with smart deco surfaces on demand like ShyTech. So that we understand is ShyTech. Uh, that are switches uh, with information and displays shown and only when you need that and there are activated by a simple touch other focus area from us are very strong is lighting integration with ambient light for in-car experience for the well-being from the personal well-being and also the functional light what we need so in total this advanced lighting a strength from us are also surfaces alternative surfaces with backlight uh, with printed surfaces translucent surfaces and generally these smart surfaces. Yes, and last not least, of course, that is also a trend or rather a need 
all technical solution driving by safety. So the topic with sustainability is important and also seating. And so in general, altogether, this high integration of all of these subjects. And I have to say, I had the pleasure already to experience that concept car life. So therefore, I, I know exactly what Shitech means, what smart Kevin, and let's say what kind of influence it has, why autonomous driving is such a huge topic as well. Is electrification actually also a huge influence for you? Or is that really like a bit less relevant? Yes, electrification. So I brought it up that I see that together with digitalization. When we see only the electrification It's more this topic with uh, solutions uh, for these heated surfaces in the reason that the energy management is important. But you're really focusing on this single innovation topic about electrification. Rather, we can say it's not this big difference. You have other spaces, of course, available. And that makes it interesting from the interiors part, because with this new spaces, what you have in the area of the foods available, then it's a, a question how you can manage then the packaging, how is this storage concept will change. And that is the challenge in this new topic, what we get the question from the customer. Yeah, that makes absolutely sense. Now, completely different energy management in the car, but also like the space available there. Yeah, thank you very much. And Gustav, now in your case, we have also like a little bit of challenge uh, to understand, okay, you are responsible for the truck and bus segment. So, and we can also speculate, okay, how strongly, which trends influence your work, right? So Where are you currently focusing and what are the prospects for the future for you? Yeah, I would say, first of all, taking into account that whole commercial vehicle industry is in the middle of a transformation. Yeah, it's crucial that there are a lot of challenges which the industry faced, like also like digitalization and, and automatization and things like that. But I would say for the time being, the dominant thing is, is, is definitely emission-free driving the emission-free driving challenge, because on one hand, there is an ambitious CO2 legislation in place, especially in Europe. And on the other hand, the industry has to find the right technology approach, which really fulfills the requirements of the heavy-duty industry. And here, I think it's important to know, it's, it's already common knowledge that battery electric solutions, which maybe fulfills a lot of or most of the requirements in the passenger car area, are not the right solution for the really heavy duty ones, for the really heavy duty vehicles. So this industry needs uh, different technologies like fuel cell technology and the challenges not only about the development of fuel cell trucks and buses. I mean, in the end of the day, it's about the long, uh, the complete value chain. It's about hydrogen production, it's about delivery, and it's also about uh, the infrastructure. And this is for sure a huge challenge for the whole industry. And do I see that correctly, that you also do not decide which technology you prioritize, be it, let's say, BEVs, be it fuel cell technology and so on. So you go also with your customer, right? So because you Absolutely. are one of the... Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, in the end of the day, looking on the different criteria, which are really important, it's about for sure packaging and space and weight of the technology, but also also about charging time, also about uh, operation ranges, which are really important to get in, in a certain range. And for sure, cost. I mean, in the end of the day, we have to provide products, which also fulfills from a financial perspective targets. And yes, RVL is standing for, uh, for technology openness. So I would say 
fuel cell technology is something like a main trend for the commercial vehicle industry, especially for the heavy duty industry, but it's not the only one. Now we have the overview of what you're all focusing on and what, where are the priorities. And now I would like to ask all of you, so in which of the both priorities that you mentioned, do you search and screen for external innovations and how do you approach the topic of innovation in your company in general? So Jörg, would you like to start? Yeah, I, I need to come back then to our goal to, to get a CO2 neutral car by 2030. I think that is an industry challenge, I think. And, and we are aware that we cannot and we do not want to solve this problem alone. So here we need to have partnerships. The influencing factors is really from cradle or from mining process of materials and over, over manufacturing of tier two, tier one products, own manufacturing, going into a second life, going into recycling, and then really uh, after the, the components are going into grave again. This whole chain needs to be CO2 neutral. That is our goal. Just to give you an, an idea about our effort, what we are doing, we had now two open calls covering diff different disciplines in logistics, in the tier one, tier two world, and other areas for recycling. We are finding 30 partners already with really intended uh, signatures uh, of a collaboration with different disciplines where we are now chasing these uh, activities and, and to bring the CO2 values down. They are partners out of uh, universities, research centers. There are different kind of uh, logistics organizations involved. Yeah, that is currently driving us. And that is driving basically partnerships at the moment. And now, Andrea? How do you uh, see that topic? Yes, so searching and screening for external innovation is very important. We start our journey of innovation with the needs of our customers, so the user research. And we are very happy that in our department, uh, in the innovation team, the user research team is part of. So it is very important to understand the needs of our users, the end consumers, and if the users has really then a benefit of the new innovation, the new technology, what we bring up. Ludmilla, you mentioned autonomous driving in the last question. So it's important to understand how these autonomous driving will change the user behavior because there will be a new seating position, a much more relaxed seating position. And you will this new position already used in the level three autonomous driving. And of course, in the level four autonomous driving in a much more relaxed position. In this case, the NDRTs, these non-driving relevant tasks are very important to understand the users and the user needs. And for, that one, uh, for, for this one, we organize user research as a baseline. You need the answers for how to store your cell phone and why so a lot of people store their cell phone in a cup holder. So what is the right place for the cup holder? And much more questions need to be answered. And so the answers of these activities and other activities, what are you doing while driving in autonomous driving mode? And of course, with an e-vehicle, I also in the charging mode. And this user research, we use observation with cameras. So to catch really what are people doing in the cars while driving? Because when you ask people, they tell you uh, what they're doing, but at the end, they do really other things during the drive. So this observation by camera is a very helpful topic. But coming back to the main question, so how this searching and screening, how we do that in our company. So we continue to monitor the market, uh, market and the trends. So with visit fairs, conferences, 
also visiting a furniture expo, so like the Milano Furniture Fair in Milano last year. So it's a very important impact for us with surfaces. And of course, we have an innovation team. We have a scouting team also in our department where they uh, scout in the total market these kind of innovations what are available. And this scouting team is located in the West Coast in North America, focusing on this area and Silicon Valley, but of course, globally with the Asian market and others. And now, Gustav, let me also ask you the same question. And then I will, let's say, interlink a little bit of what you said just before with Jörg and Andrea. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we are doing screening and search in, in many technology fields on a regular basis. And so we can do that very well because we are working, finally, we are working together with all relevant uni universities and institutes around the globe. And we can do that very well because we have 45 tech centers with a very strong regional network. And due to that, I would say it's, it's not so easy for me to narrow it, this, that topic down to a few search topics, but I would say Besides uh, what I already pointed out uh, before, emission-free driving technologies, there are, for the time being, digitalization, data management, and autonomous driving technologies have priorities for us. And now we have Gustav and Andrea, you see always the um, supplier side, no? and Jörg, you see the OEM side. No? So, so you have also completely different customers. Your customers, Jörg, are the end customers, the people that buy the car, right? So, And I see like the screen and searching for innovations, you do more like sustainability-driven approach, while the supplier side, you do more like the customer research, what, what the customers needs. No? So where do you see the challenges in those two approaches? Where can you maybe also like benefit from the experience of the other side? Maybe I can start. Actually, most of these activities are collaborations between OEMs and tier ones or experts. That is what we priorly discussed, and uh, we need to define then basically where's the strengths of a discipline. So if you are not going for insourcing to having really own capacity and knowledge in-house, we are going for a collaboration with the tier one. And but always with a focus on a selling point. We need to want we want to sell it finally. And here the two organizations coming together, tier one and, and OEM, said to make a win story out of this. I can agree to that. So just a nice example. Just in the morning, we have an OEM here in our tech center. And I could 100% underline what Jörg is, uh, really uh, has spoken about because the collaboration between an OEM and the first tier. So it's a really in the innovation, in the concept phase, a hand-in-hand -hand working process. So I brought up in the last comment, the user research so with our experience and our knowledge, we can make proposals to the OEM, to the customers, how our view can look like. And we are very interested in the, uh, in the feedback from the customer side. So what is their feedback? And so that we fit together and really collaborate together to find solution so that we can really be successful together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe from my perspective, I was really thinking about your question and just a personal note. I mean, I'm also as a person in the middle of a transformation because after 30 years uh, sitting on the chair of an OEM, let's say it in this way, and now since a few months, looking more from a supplier perspective or engineering supplier perspective on the same thing, I... I do not feel this different perspectives. So uh, my way of thinking is always, okay, for sure, what is the customer voice? And this is for sure now the OEM industry, but also, okay, can I support my OEM partners 
also from based on my knowledge about okay what's going on in the industry and what does customers maybe ask for tomorrow. Hmm? Yeah, it's always good to combine both views. Uh, Actually, from knowing your background, you all have this kind of different views anyway. No? So I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, right. And now we go a little bit more deeper in the discussion of innovation screening and so on. And now, York, on March 7, last year, you officially announced that Polestar joins Sweden-based innovation hub Mobility X-Lab as partner, I really quote that now, unlocking more opportunities to advance future mobility. So that was the official headline. Can you tell us more about this partnership and what is the state of progress after one year? So are there any success stories to be shared? Yeah, but first of all, I, I must uh, say yes, of course, it's written and we are definitely part and it is a success story. The, in, in particular, in this first phase to bring this up and running, the biggest success is to establish a network, a network of uh, an, an innovation focused community with startups, with sometimes only two or three people with an idea what we bring in into this environment and to start thinking and to start to exploring where we have some matching points. And we actually have now some research activity started with one or the other company, particularly on alternative material, natural-based materials, where we're now focusing on and try to find proof of concept of these research work and go into the next phase for a kind of industrialization. Well, that is basically the success story. And is it, uh, I mean, you said also in the um, preparation call with me that uh, you mostly focus on Sweden then. Is it also planned to expand your network there also like at least Europe-wide or even wider? From Polestar point of view, definitely. And we have our network uh, existing in our Geely Volvo Enterprise, of course. Uh, here we, we are using existing facilities in Israel, for example, but also in China. And here we, we definitely look over the borders of Sweden. Uh, but since we are now located with our uh, headquarter, we are focusing and trying also to establish something new for Sweden in Sweden with an idea what is currently not existing here. And it is something new and therefore we are focusing on that currently in Gothenburg. And it's always good to support that startup environment, let's say, in the own country as well. No? So it, it makes also, it creates a, a huge brand and uh, makes a great impact on the country. Definitely. So now, Andrea, Yangfeng has a, a little bit different strategy. You do not have any kind of known partnerships with startup hubs, so as much as I know. But still, I mean, if I were to come from, a, let's say, innovative tech startups, and I have a technology that might be exciting for you. At least that's my opinion. It's exciting for you. So I want to reach out. I want to, to reach the right context. How do I do that properly? How to cut through the noise? Mm -hmm. First, to collaborate with partnerships is very important to be successful with innovation and new technologies. To fast track new technologies and partnership access, we are partner of plug and play mobility ecosystems since spring 2018. I don't know if you know plug and play, uh, that's a, a large group innovation platform that brings together startups, investors, and corporations. Um, they are expecting facilitating meaningful introductions, uh, bringing together key stakeholders, yes, and bring the network together. We hold their uh, corporate anchor partnership member status, and that allows us 
to take advantage of their highly collection of startups in different kind of verticals, including mobility and sustainability and others. So working with plug and play and their platform partners is essential for us to give us further access to technologies and startup globally to pick up the piece then. For this, we have a small office in Silicon Valley and often use these facility to hold uh, Yang Feng events uh, with local customers there that we can here bring uh, also our colleagues together with the startups. We have also partnership with different companies, in example, BOE or Samsotech for this place. We have also for this place a partner in Hong Kong where we have uh, running pre-development concepts phases currently running or we have a partnership with Dirac and Dinodo, so they working for smart audio system. And uh, for the safety side, with, we have this American-based company with ARC, a manufacturing partnership they're doing for airbags, the inflation systems. You see, so we have a wide range of partnership, maybe that is not so well known for that one. Coming now to the question how to break through the noise. So what is a good strategy that uh, to come with us in contact? And I think it helps really to get uh, in contact with us uh, in trade shows or with conferences where we are on a regular base there and present our technologies where you can really meet people face to face. And just some days ago, we have a very interesting visit from a startup. We met us um, half a year ago in a conference, and now we are looking together uh, to a joint project to define a common proof of concept and how we can use this technology. So all in all, we can say the collaboration with innovation technologies makes really sense, and we work there also with startups together. Startups also not only in innovation, also in the running production with logistic or we have something with a supply chain topic, with we have startups with us. So it's not so well known, but we have that also running. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it, it will be now a bit more well known, let's <laughs> say, and if somebody's in the audience and interested exactly in the collaboration with you so that they know exactly where to go now. So, yeah. And now, Gustav, I mean, AVL has own startup hub initiative. It's called Create Expedition. We know them actually quite well for all the interested listeners. So we introduced them in the episode 18. So mm -hmm. make sure to check it out. So, so Gustav, from our preliminary discussion, I also know that there are plenty of ways how startups can work with AVL. It's not just via the startup hub. So and yes, just one of them is Create Expedition. So what other routes are there and where are you looking for new inputs in particular? Yeah, well, first of all, exactly as you said, I think the most powerful channel is exactly this platform uh, we established at RVL because this is why we established this platform. So this is uh, the reason why this platform is existing, but for sure there are also other ways. And it's, this is very similar, as Andrea said before, no? how can we can come in contact with interesting people and startup and, and entrepreneurs. There are many opportunities in place due to our strong worldwide network, due to our worldwide communication activities we are running, like uh, seminars, like partner projects and, and other corporations. And finally, I would say we should not underestimate the power of networking by our employees, by our engineers and scientists. No? Everybody has his own really strong, strong network and they are doing a lot of communication and, and networking activities. I, I'm in person already very impressed and surprised about what's coming up here out of this source. 
And also that the people within one company, that they know each other, even if you get an idea and it's not your field, but you know exactly where to pass this idea so that the people do that. Yeah. 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 And that's really where, as well. yeah. yeah, and that's also where actually social media can be very, very powerful. We hear sometimes in our podcast some success stories that people via cold mails, via LinkedIn messages, and so on get in contact and start collaborations. Now, so it works. Now I have a question for all of you, and basically we already touched that a little bit because there are a few geographic regions in the world that stand for innovation a little bit more than others. So we already mentioned that Silicon Valley or Startup Nation Israel are maybe the most famous ones, but Asia is also arising in that area. Where in your strategies and especially in particular practical implementation do you use this potential that is there in those geographic regions how do you use that yeah i i can underline that there is some huge potential in asia and since i lived there for seven years so i experienced that life and the most impression actually is the speed particularly in china the approach to develop a new topic or to bring some innovations in is might might be a bit different and as in uh, standard European com- companies, they try something and uh, if they fail, they steer quickly into another direction and correct. And then this makes them quite flexible and quite fast, actually. And Polestar, we are also still a startup company. Um, I think we have already some well-established connections, also supported by our parents' company, Geely. Uh, we are having some research activities on batteries, particular uh, where Asia is already quite strong, and our own R&D activities, our own R&D center in Shanghai is also constantly growing now. Then let me ask you: How do you see in your company the failure? Is that something to be avoided, or is that something, let's say, to experiment and the more the better, because th- that's the way how you progress? So, how would you say that? It's definitely a focus point, particularly on battery. We cannot ignore Asia on, on battery technology. And they are the biggest ones currently with the strongest power and also with the most innovational potential, let me say. But not only, there are others as well. And that is the tricky part now to investigate in which region something new comes up. It is now really constant innovation screening and, and puzzling what is the right partnership to continue. And you mentioned in the previous uh, talk with me, so that batteries are still the main focus for you now. So technologically, is that correct? Technology, that is the biggest challenge in with regard to sustainability, who has a highest CO2 footprint, let me say, and uh, to bring constant uh, solution on this, but also with regard to performance. There are multiple technology currently in screening, some are improve of concept phase, particular on charging, charging performance, charging speed. There's some big potential what we are currently investigating and what we see in the coming years. I always ask and emphasize those questions because we use our platform also to bring collaborations together, to bring people together and to exactly know, okay, what somebody needs, what maybe other part has. So therefore, always emphasizing that. Now, Andrea? How do you use the potential, let's say, that is existing in different parts of the world? Yeah, so in our division, the YFT, the, the Young Fang Technology Department, we take the responsibility about the strategy for this new innovation and for the divisions on the division and definition of project. 
and we are responsible also for this practical implementation. And as Jörg already brought up, most of our partnerships and the contact to startups are based in Asia and China, of course. And we are a Chinese company, so for us, it's yeah, would like to say crystal clear. So our uh, Young Feng Technology team in China is a huge group, uh, and of course, we have a clear focus here on the China potential for these startups, of course. Uh, but also with cooperation and startups, uh, I have spoken already about the cooperation with ARC. The collaboration with ARC is promised um, of hybrid airbag inflation technologies. It tends to develop and produce the automotive airbag applications and. Yeah, primarily serve here in Europe market. And this is supporting our Young Feng safety strategy in total. So in general, we are focusing here on startups or partnerships, also on supplier base, and that area where we do miss a technology in-house. So the example with ARC, the inflator technology, is here a typical topic because uh, it's missing in-house. And so for that one, we're looking for collaboration. And you know our wide range of product portfolio, and we try to work here with startups and partnerships that we can fulfill these portfolio when there is a technology gap so that we can really follow our strategy. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned previously also like that was not startup kind of office, let's say, in, in Silicon mm -hmm. Valley. Silicon and Valley, you have yeah. also an office in, in Hong Kong for that, especially in us. So therefore, yeah, it's happening. So, and now Gustav? Yep. I mean, first of all, yes, I it, it think it's very similar. We are working together with smart people in, in Silicon Valley. We are working together with smart people in startups in, in Israel, especially in Tel Aviv. The general pattern, what we can see here is for sure, uh, Silicon Valley is more related. Our collaboration is more related to autonomous driving there. And uh, Tel Aviv is, is uh, the topic and, and the collaboration issues are more related to cybersecurity. So I would say in general, this is not so surprising. This is, I would say, something like a general pattern. And But in addition, I would like to mention there's another hotspot that is not so well known. And that's about India, especially uh, in the field, uh, in the area of Bangalore. There are a lot of technology de developments and startups in India. And it's worth to have a look on that as well. Do you have already a kind of initiative there that you are already, let's say, um, uh, searching, looking? Yes, we, we, we started that. And uh, I in person have anyway a strong relationship to Bangalore in the last 10 years. And uh, this is a field we want to develop. That's also good to know. Yeah. It is, uh, let's say, based on, on the startup market, let's call it like this, it is an emerging market. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. absolutely. And, and there you can see especially software capabilities, a lot of really, really good software capabilities, software development capabilities. Yeah, and where else? Bangalore, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the capital of uh, software and so on. And now let's continue with a little bit of success stories, because, I mean, everyone likes stories, especially when they are positive ones. So, Jörg, what success story could you share with us today when it comes to partnerships and when we analyze them a little bit more in depth, what is the reason that it is or was so successful? So what are the key learnings for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big promoter for establishing strategic partnerships because we are relying, that is our, one of our Polestar's business success factors. We will not grow our R&D activities uh, as big as we have it in Gilio and Volvo, uh, but we are looking for a kind of win-win situation with uh, fitting partners and even with our parent companies, of course. And uh, 
Yeah, one one example is definitely our uh, strategic partnership with uh, Google on on HMI on uh, automotive for Google. That is a win-win situation. Uh, we bring all the knowledge about the automotive into um, Google brings the consumer market uh, into the car. And it is matching. The user knows it is quite well established in the world and uh, direct, directly feels home and can use the function quite easily. But it is a good example for a win-win and a success story. And actually, when you mentioned, okay, you are not as big as Volvo or Geely Group and so on. So, But when we talked with Thomas Ingenler in our fourth episode, right? So, I mean, he emphasized extra that to be small, to be this kind of startup, is an amazing advantage because you can be fast, right? As a startup, even yes. if you are financially backed by big guys, let's call it like business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <but> it... <laughs> it could be uh, really uh, fast when you are focusing then on your DNA features again, coming back to these three with uh, mm -hmm. design performance, yeah, and uh, sustainability. And if we are then focusing on that with complementing engineering, what we are doing, we can be with USPs quite quick. And that is what we want to apply. And now, Andrea, I would like to tweak that question a little bit for you because you mainly focus not on external partnership, but on internal so that you avoid, let's say, that you have uh, technical departments that are not working, not collaborating within Yang Feng with each other. So therefore, what are your success stories there and what are your care learnings there, what we can maybe all learn? Yeah. So in addition to these external partnerships, and we have already mentioned about, uh, we are focusing also very strong on the internal partnership. Uh, and this is where my responsibility came into play. Uh, we have a large product portfolio already spoken about that. We have five product business units with interiors, uh, seating, uh, safety systems, electronics and lighting and exterior. And our goal with our XBU strategy is to drive innovation across these five product groups. So I'm responsible for this XBU topic. The focus here is on the system integration across these product groups in order to break down the silo thinking in our company. And where we are very successful here with our one young thing strategy. So that, that works since some years now. So we use innovation projects to develop these XBU system integration. And coming to the success story, one success story, we could mention a running project where we have been demonstrating such an XPU project together with a German OEM in a co-concept phase uh, that runs since last year. With a fully comprehensive steering wheel, we involve in this project the scope of safety with the driver airbag, uh, plus the electronic topics uh, such as ECU and switch units. Even the light integration is included uh, with ambient light or also with well all these functional light units. And the interior areas takes care about the sustainable surfaces. Only in this way, with a system integration, we are prepared for the future that we are prepared here for this new automotive industry with our smart cabin approach. So this system integration brings a lot of benefits. With integration, you are able to, to do more reduce of the parts, which has an effect of cost and weight reduction. Also with reduction of packaging, so you are able to design smaller, slimmer parts and there is more space than available. And one aspect in our multifunctional project teams where all these technologies groups can come together as this interfacing between these products is handled then in our hand and one responsibility from us and must not managed by the customer with the total project team. 
So one more benefit uh, in this total is also the, the reduction of the assembly time of the OEM side. So when you take a full integrated system, you don't need to assemble single parts. So you can use then really a full integrated system. And for this example, with the reduction of the assembly time, um, a new player from the OEM side is showing this in the automotive industry, how this success story looks like. So they reduce the assembly time of their vehicle and this is, that is now a benchmark today. So this new target is only possible if you use a system integration. And today, this is clearly shown by one of the OEMs. Um, yeah, it's in the West Coast. And they was very successful with that. This gives me a little bit of more like practical insight as well there. I mean, uh, how often do the teams really come together within a meeting or let's say an event so that they can really exchange mm -hmm. ideas together? So how do you do that practically? Is that like once a month? Maybe not. Maybe like once a quarter or something like that. How do you do that? So we have once a week a team meeting where really all work streams, all departments come together. And uh, a challenge is really the time zone. So how you can manage that. So don't mix North America and China up uh, together with Europe. That get a problem. Uh, but together with China, so of course, in the early morning, we do these meetings. And up to this meeting, we have then several kind of other detailed uh, work stream meeting, singular, that they could really go in a deep detail where not everybody is then included. And of course, then you have once a week also a customer meeting that you report out then your new steps of design and your results then to the customer side. Your frequency definitely surprised me. I was thinking it's much, much more rare. <laughs> so therefore, like, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the end, it's really only once a week, the total team with all work streams. But of course, in the background, so in the second level, ill work streams, yeah, they meet really on a regular daily basis to work then on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Gustav now from your side? Yeah, when it comes to, to innovation, power and things like that, I was really smiling a little bit about that point because I really so different here in that, in that field because it's not so so much structured and organized as it is, for example, in, in big companies uh, like my, my former company. And yeah, it's interesting because I have to say most of our engineers and scientists have a really strong intrinsic motivation to go the extra mile to find something which makes a difference. And um, they have the freedom to do so. So it's not structured, but I think we have the right people on board uh, because innovation is something like a DNA of ABL. Huh? So this is, this is something like the base. Hopefully this, will, this answers your question. Yeah, because basically you are always the development partner. No? So working very, very closely with the customers, that's how you basically started to exist yeah. no? as yeah. ABL. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. And now let's go to the topic that we already mentioned several times. So, Jörg, let's talk about Polestar Project Zero that you mentioned already. It was announced in April 2021. And the announcement goes as follows. I quote again, it's our moonshot, a truly climate neutral production car by 2030. Many consider it impossible. Polestar dares to differ. And by 2030, we intend to make it happen. So now almost exactly two years have passed. And what was the start like? And what are the achievements so far? How far have we come? Yeah, that is a very good point. And that is uh, what drived us during the last two years. Now I'm, I'm with Pose. I experienced almost the whole two years. I'm almost uh, two years now working in this role. 
And uh, generally, the, the feedback from the market, from our partners, is very positive. So we, we hit a topic uh, which is driving currently, I would even say, the world. Yeah, everybody is on that topic and also want to support. And that is very good. We get backwind for, for this uh, project. And we had now two open calls uh, also in LinkedIn. We asked them for establishment of partnerships in different areas. And out of this, we had hundreds of conversations with companies and tried to fitting now the, the right topics with the right competencies. Out of this, we had now 30 confirmed confirmations and also with a kind of collaboration model, who's doing what and, and which IP we want to share and which IP then finally will be used then to enter in this, uh, in this car. What we also did was now to have a complete LCA assessment, lifecycle assessment, for our cars and we identified now really the, the CO2 consumers and, and where we need to, to tackle where and we identified the components which are more tricky. Maybe it needs more research time to solve it. And uh, this transparency we generated now where we can now start to steer we now come into an operational mode where we now tackle those topics then in research activities and with uh, conversations when it comes to logistic optimization or ways of alternative manufacturing. Uh, I think that was quite essential to generate this trans transparency in a manufacturing process, in a creation process, but also in a in recycle process to tackle the right things. That is the, the achievement. And now we are working on a matrix to show progress. Uh, because now, of course, the world is waiting. Okay, what is the development towards 2013? And we took this challenge, of course. We want to report constantly about progress. Uh, what we are doing on our fleet until now we will we will then reach uh, 2030 and reach this famous car but i also want to do some expectation management now, even if maybe there might be some tricky parts which do not then allow us to really come to zero this overall activity will be a success if that is finally coming down to by 95 percent or to 100 percent 95 percent would would already be a great achievement we keep the 100%, of course. Exactly. It's actually said that as soon as you start to think about plan B, the chances that plan A will succeed are much, much lower. So therefore, keep on telling everyone 100%, 100%, okay? Definitely. Let's agree on that. <laughs> Project zero. And it means that you screened with all the partners. I forgot the, the number that you said, but you screened down to 30 partnerships. And now you go forward with them, but does it mean that also other partnerships will be built along the way if you will need them, right? I mean, it's not like it's fixed now. Absolutely. And we go into different countries with, with different skills. And then this started, you, you can imagine, as I said, we are just a startup company. We are also scaling up our own people. It is a huge effort to keep these collaborations running. And you need own people, project leaders, project manager, experts to steer these activities. It's not that you get all these people immediately within two years. So we are scaling up and with the scaling up, we are also increasing the numbers of partnerships. Yeah, and I recently saw that you gave uh, the role, let's say, who will be the coordinator of this uh, program now to a female leader. Amazing, uh, really like celebrating. So that is really, really cool that, that somebody will, let's say, managing all of those activities that might be exploding in the next years. You still have yeah. seven years to 100%, so to down to zero. Exactly, and she has the right motivation. That's a good fit. Absolutely.
And now the next question is for Andrea. So because Yan Feng places also sustainability very high in its priorities, what are your approaches and efforts to produce in all processes as less CO2 emissions as possible? How do you do that? What's your secret? Yes, you are right. Um, sustainability is becoming more and more important. And we have been focusing on this topic for years. From our historical view of our interiors business of the company, we produce since decades nature fiber carriers. But before I start with other technical examples and innovations, I would like to mention a little bit more about our company strategy about the sustainability. So as our company-wide target for net zero carbon emission, we aim to achieve 100% of our total energy consumption globally from renewable energy sources by 2030. And all our European and South African plants already converted the renewable energy, uh, energy by 100%. And the goal view we today we are in a total view about this KBI is 30% in current status. And step by step, then we will reach then the 100%. Then to the CDP rating, we receive a A minus rating and we receive a A rating as supplier engagement leader. Yes, on the second conservative year already. So then we signed the UN Global Compact in 2021 and align our sustainability strategy to these 10 principles. And we are part of the Responsible Supply Chain Initiative, the RSCI. Um, and Yang Feng also committed in 2022 for global interiors business to short-term goals of the science-based target initiative, the SBTI. And a total KBI, so the target to be clima neutral is 2040. So a lot of fact and figures for that from the company. And now coming back more to the product and material-based uh, sustainable act activity, what we are doing. So we have a Yang Feng an own in-house non-metal material institute who has uh, developed in-house 16 uh, sustainable materials, renewable plastic materials, bio-based uh, plastic materials, and also bio-based uh, polyurethane already. And back to innovation examples, uh, the nature fibers, which I am started my story. So in the past, we produced a wide range of different nature fibers recept for that. For instrument panel, door panel, we're doing that. And we do this today, very successful vision innovation topic about the CHIME technology. So CHIME is standing for compressive and hit uh, hybrid molding process. So CHIME is also a nature fiber. It's based on a lightweight support structure, which replaces a plastic substrate. You can lower the weight for that one um, and support the structure. So approximately to 20 to 40 percent compared with a normal plastic part. And you can use this kind of chime carrier really for all kinds of carriers. And we use this also then with a regenerative fibers, so with hemp, um, hemp flax, and kenneth. So, so in general, this calculation of the chime carrier is a very good CO2 calculation So for that one. And chime gives us also a huge possibility for integration. So because the molded part of this chime, you can also integrate other plastic parts like an airbag two channel, uh, what you can then reduce um, in a part because we have the net, this already done in the molding process. That is about carrier in interiors. Another example um, where we're focusing on uh, sustainability is also with our steering wheel strategy. 
So we try here from the carrier, from the, uh, the structure of the steering wheel, that's the Davis magnesium. And magnesium has a very, very high impact about the CO2. And so we try to go back to a steel structure uh, that these high intensive CO2 impact about the magnesium that we can really that reduce to the impact of the steel compact uh, topic. From a steering wheel, um, we have also from the foamed uh, processor alternative that we go here with an EPP foam. Then when you go to the surfaces, you have there the possibility with sustainable materials that is possible. And our customers are also very interested about our cross carbon technologies. So we have here a full plastic uh, carrier available and the full plastic carrier has the possibility with a huge um, weight saving. And so for that one, it's then also a good impact about the CO2 calculation. Let me also um, ask a follow-up question on that because uh, you mentioned also natural fibers, for example, mm -hmm. and I would like to make the link to Polster actually because when mm -hmm. Polster Precept was announced and presented, it was also clear, okay, there is a collaboration with Bcom as we not startup anymore, but scale up, maybe like a scale up company from Switzerland. And it is flux no, that was used there. Uh, York, you can <laughs> confirm or, or disagree, let's say, but is that also the trend where it goes, let's say that in the interior design, especially that more and more natural fibers are used because of the sustainability aspect? I can only <laughs> confirm because now already in our Polestar 3, we have elements from Bcom in the interior particular. And it will be even increased in Polestar 5, where we have the whole seat, the hardback, for example, out of this material. There's a lot of validation, of course. Now, we don't want to have a used seat already after one year. It must uh, pass some durability activities, but the results are very positive. Mm -hmm. That's good. Nice. That uh, I mean, the durability needs to be there as well. Now, uh, safety, you cannot compromise, but durability as well. Huh? Yeah, yeah, and I really can uh, agree to that. So because it's really since I, I'm not sure how long um, the the other history. So it was from Johnson Controls and all these other companies from the Young Feng has uh, bought in the past. So they used nature fibers since really de decades with instrument panel, also including this airbag uh, open included. And so that's from the technical side, not really a problem. So that was done really since years with positive results and till end of lifetime. So that works. Mm -hmm. How many, um, let's say, years do you count usually for in interior design? So how, how long should the parts be okay? <laughs> I mean, if, if it's possible to say that in general, like... Yeah, that's a question then really. So I believe it's from the testing, but maybe Jörg and Gustav, there are more experience about these 20 years, what you have to test that really what is a life cycle of a car. It's very long time. And with a cockpit, you have really to be careful in the reason that you have included airbag in. So all of these function of the weaknessing from the airbag line, the laser line uh, or the current technology, what you use, it's really a huge uh, time what then a part has to be uh, really in lifetime in the automotive industry. Mm -hmm. Okay. And if you yeah. say 20 years, not a problem. Wow. That's, that's impressive right. actually. Yeah. I can confirm that from a commercial vehicle industry is for sure a little bit longer life cycle, but 20 years fits to that. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. That's good to have all the experts there available. <laughs> To, to answer all my questions. That's perfect. And now, Gustav, let's continue with you because you have gained so much experience on the OEM side, most recently in the role as EVP, product engineering and procurement Daimler buses 
at Daimler. And now you see the supplier side at AVL just recently. Now, so based on your experience, what does it take for sustainability projects to work and be successfully implemented? Mm. Yeah, sitting now here um, and looking from a more supply engineering side on that on the same thing, same industry, I would say one of our main tasks is for sure to re reduce the CO2 footprint of the powertrain. And I mean, this is relevant in all, all uh, for the whole total life cycle. I'm talking about production, operation, and for sure as well, uh, recycling of the powertrain itself, right? Another main topic for AWL is um, uh, it's about CO2 monitoring. So what we have developed, and I think this is an interesting field, is is a, is a tool for global energy and CO2 measurement and, and monitoring. And we are using this system also for our own facilities. And, and this, I would say, is also an interesting topic. Finally, what does it take? We should not forget the suppliers. You know, we have also on RVL not only the engineering part, there's also the ITS part. So test bed uh, developments and, 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 and systems. So we strive to build strong relationships with our suppliers and, and, and work with them to improve the social environment uh, performance on that side as well. So I would say these are the main three pillars I see for the time being. And if we talk, let's say, about the economical reasons, so can some, and or maybe also should sustainability more costly? Not necessary, not necessary. I would say the smartest solutions delivers both, I would say, sustainability and, and also being, being from a financial perspective, fine. But I would say in general, also looking back how our, pic, our picture or opinion about sustainability activities developed over, over the last 20 years, I mean, now it's such a main thing. We as an industry, we as companies, have to strive for because this is a base for future success and uh, whatever it takes it, it it makes a difference and we have to find smart solutions and this i would say is for engineers an interesting field i mean i don't want to be let's say dramatic on that but it's also a question of surviving right i mean for the whole planet it that's is right. that's we exactly what we do the same boat <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> So now we basically mostly talked about uh, topic of innovation and partnerships with mainly external partners. So now we can take a more closer look on the human aspect and the corporate culture, intrinsic motivation of the own individual employees. So how to bring, let's say, people to be more innovative, to think more innovative, to be more bold, to, let's say, to act more Yeah, again, innovative. <laughs> so how do you do that, let's say, intrinsically within the own company? So the question for all of you. Jörg, would you like to start? Yeah, that, that is uh, the, the key question for, for all companies. No? Uh, how to motivate the people and to create this innovative uh, environment where people actively contribute. Um, I would say it's a matter of communication. The leadership has definitely a role on that to communicate goals and to communicate visions. And that motivates people and also to contribute and always ask openly that uh, all the, the uh, Polsa employees be part of that. And that is basically then the motivation factor. Talk about your story, talk about your goals, talk about your focus points. It's also be important to be focused and not to be too distracted and try to operate everywhere. Be focused and communicate your goals and encourage to do so. And more now to the operational part to do so. 
I'm fan to have a kind of decentralized organization. That means we have a couple of advanced engineering uh, heads, but uh, the the knowledge and the the execution and the idea generation is in the whole organization, and not only in R and D. It is uh, encompasses more or less whole Polestar, where we invite regularly for kind of idea generation events of some activities where we really invite huge groups and always remind, please bring your story, bring your ideas to the to the table to create innovations, to create new ideas and to involve the, the organization. Thank you very much. And now, Andrea, how do you yeah. contribute to that innovative thinking within own company? And now I repeat everything from York <laughs> because I, yeah. So in our company, I see also our organization structure as a strength. So our innovative team, so the innovation center is 5T and we are acting as a own standalone division and we are not need to be firefighting in the daily business. So we are really able to focus on our innovation topics and projects. Uh, but of course, at the same time, we have really a close relationship to our colleagues from the engineering development from the serial process. So in order that we are able to get their input, their ideas, and also their information. And I believe really in communication, in a regular communication, that is really key. So the innovation lead of the engineering meeting. So we are invited there in the regular meeting from engineering so that we can really bring uh, the feedback from the engineering teams, from the regular uh, feedback from the normal production in our new innovations that we understand what is the problems, what, what kind of challenges do our production, our engineering team have. And of course, we do regular uh, town hall meetings and others. And for that one is YFT always part of that. So the innovation is uh, in every time seen at the company. And so we are very interested in the feedback. And we have also once a year innovation weeks with all employees that we inform about projects very detailed. And that is interesting how interesting people and employees are what we are doing. And this interface exchange uh, communication is very important. Then we have, in addition, in our team in the YFT, um, the kind of uh, innovation games, we called it, because we see that this team spirit is very important. And in these innovation games, uh, all YFT colleagues around the globe uh, can really register with the team, with innovation ideas and that kind of games. We present there the projects where then um, the most successful project uh, with cost, with sustainability, will be then, um, yes, the winner. And of course, we, we name then also the fun factor for that one, for that one. And that is very important that this team spirit for innovation together with the company is really always available. What is the time frame for those um, competition games, let's say, that you do? Is that one week? Is that two weeks? Is that months or so? And no, it's to take longer. And it is really impressive how good the ideas are, but it's much more impressive how the teams are really presenting that. So they make really movies or some sketches. And it's interesting how the Chinese colleagues doing that, how the North America colleague doing that. And I think it's around four weeks where the start is from the game till the end when then the presentation of all these projects runs. Very funny. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe some ideas for some listeners or also for York and Gustav now. Let's see. I share it. It's not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
And now, Gustav, what are your, yeah. let's say, inputs there? I mean, already, I would say important things are mentioned so about that. What I would like to add is this leadership thing. I, I would say it makes also a huge difference how we act as leaders. No? So do we really show up as innovative leaders? Do we do that in an authentic way? Can we play in that area something like a role model so that the, the people behind us recognize, okay, this is really an important thing. We want to be innovative. We want to go the extra mile. And for sure, it's always a risky thing uh, to try new things, to find a new path. And that means also when we fail. So it's also about failure culture, how we, how we uh, handle such things. And I would say this all could make a huge difference for companies that people see, okay, it's worth to go this extra mile for that thing. But then does it also mean that when, let's say, I'm, I'm let's say, an employee of yours no? and I come to your office and I, I have a new idea so that you would never say, like, it's impossible already because of your experience, you would let me try, right? Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, this is an interesting point because sometimes experience can hinder you, right, to go to find exactly. some new path and, and to step back and to say, Maybe this guy is smarter as I am, right? Yeah, this yeah. is also part of the story. You yeah. know that your ABL employees are listening now, right? <laughs> They will. I didn't know that. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> We will make sure that it will be distributed everywhere. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so... I, I, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Okay. <laughs> They will all knock on your door. So. Yes, yes. And now we come to the last part of our panel because we have tradition in our podcast, namely, We present the great personalities in the industry as humans who all started somewhere and are continuously improving as leaders and as personalities. Our audience and me, we all love the lessons learned and life wisdom that our guests share. So let's start with the last part. So you all three had really an amazing professional journey so far. So if your 20-year-old self were living at this day and age, what advice would you give to him or to her? Jörg, you have always the hardest part to start first. <laughs> yeah, that is really uh, not an easy uh, question. But what I maybe I start with, I would not do. I would not uh, push into a certain direction. No? That is now your way. You need to follow. No? Uh, that is the role model. I would rather listen about interest and to see what he or she uh, likes and what is her passion and what does he does she wants. And if there is a way, maybe with the kind of next step, I would like to guide a little bit and monitor, consult or, or mentor on roadblocks or to prevent some bad experience, but I had maybe with some advices how to overcome or how to do things, but I would not somehow say that is now the technical trend and that is now the discipline where you need to focus on. You generally need to do this with, with passion and it is also not always a success to arrive in a kind of C-role. Uh, if somebody is happy with his own small business, it's also a big success, let me say. Mm -hmm. So basically give all the knowledge available, but let the people make their own choices based on their interest. Is Correct. That the, yeah. Okay. Now, Andrea, what would yeah. you say to your 20 years old <laughs> yeah. self nowadays? A perfect question. So yeah, in order to be successful in a job or in an occupation and also have fun, 
you have really to look for a job that inspires you so that you really can burn for that and that you can have fun because that is very important because in my opinion, it's very important then also to have a long breath that you have a staying power. So in German, Durchhaltevermögen, so that you don't immediately give up when there is any mistake happen or that you let you frustrate yourself. So failure is also part of the life. And so in my opinion, sometimes we are too critical for mistakes and also failures. So these culture of failures do not really happen. Uh, and yeah, then stay stay long in these topics, what you're doing. Actually, we already learned that in the technical discussion before now, so that like failure is just a part of the success. It's just yeah, one Gustav, step after another. Yeah. yeah, Gustav mentioned it. So it's very important in my opinion. So now, Gustav, what is your turn to say to your 20 years old self? Yeah, it seems we, we have all the same opinion about that. It's really about this passion thing. Find a topic, find a field where, where you think you can develop a strong passion, where you can really go the extra mile, whatever it takes. And, and that counts finally. And not do statistic and market research or something like that, what is maybe the best job or something like that. The passion thing counts, I would say. So it's never the money, right? So it. That's already very, very nice. And yeah, good to know that you all have like meaningful approach to your life. So, and now the next tricky question again to York first, which book has influenced you the most and why? Well, I would not fix it in in one single book. My passion or basically I love history as a kind of compensation and balancing of my, for my passion in, in technology and business generally. So I more or less uh, really uh, suck in all all history books uh, about different con- countries and cultures. Uh, that is really what I like. And the amazing thing is always to have a look on the technology part, how this develops and how the speed of technology developed uh, in the most uh, recent years. And it is now more the question what will happen in the next one and 200 years on technology when we keep the speed And that kind of thinking and and creating these roadmaps, that's really what I like in my spare time. Do you tend then also to be curious about futuristic books, let's say, because they are looking into the future and then you could compare like, oh, it's realistic, it's not, or maybe you should go in that direction, maybe not. I think so. Yeah. I think that even my wife is, is better in that, in, in futuristic thinking and science fiction. And we, we are a good team yeah, to create then the future, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you will know then how to make it happen. I mean, (laughs) from the technological point of view. And Andrea, for you, which book has influenced you the most and why? Yeah, some years ago, um, I had read an interview with Mo Gavadet, the former chief business officer of Google. And he talked about the book, The Formula for Happiness. So the interview, that makes me so interested that I bought the book directly and was very impressed me, this book. It was really unbelievable, perfect. So Mo, Mo Gavadet, I, I hope that is the right spelling for that, described very analytically how he formula this happiness. So and normally you have this discussion about work-life balance and so on. And he approached the question from the analytical mathematically perspective of an engineer. And for me as an engineer, I was so impressed about, and it's really a great book, which yeah, one should you actually take regularly to the hand. So it's a really good book. I've never heard it before, but I already <laughs> noted it down like, to buy. 
today in the evening i'm gonna buy it <laughs> i'm waiting for the feedback then <laughs> absolutely so and gusta for you which book has influenced you most and why yeah maybe i will surprise you because i'm as a technology guy will not uh, mention now a technology book or something like that i have to go back to the 80s and it's in, indeed the book uh, maybe you know that love in times of cholera was written by Gabriel Garcia Marquez, uh, published in the year 1985. And uh, so it had nothing to do with technology, something like that. It's, it's something to do about a long time, uh, lifetime la uh, love story. And uh, what is the reason? Maybe it is uh, because um, it was about love. It was about a little bit crazy story. And maybe finally also about the beauty of the writing style. So it's a French author, is it correct? Did I hear no, it well? Uh, Colombian. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Mm. 1985, so uh, maybe something worse to, to read. Yeah, you actually surprised me, but from another point of view, because, you know, when people work in technology, I expect them somehow to balance it out in a different way so that they read yeah. about, I don't know, traveling or was like history and so on, like with York. But that is like, wow, love story. It's, it's, it's impressive. Yeah. Okay, that's the but cliches. No? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> we'll also check it out. Yeah. But Laughing honestly, <laughs> the last time I read something that was not about, let's say, business or technical. So it was like more than 10 years ago, because now it's like, that's the focus now. <laughs> that's just the time of my life. <laughs> But let's see. Let's so, see. And, and the last question is actually like part of two questions for you. How do you define happiness today? And what is your motto in life? So Jörg, now you start. <laughs> Yeah, I would say I'm not looking for something better in the future. You need to feel comfortable and nice what you're doing now. The time is too, part, too important. And, and I'm always looking for something what drives me and what, what's, what, I, what I really like to drive forward. Looking for a target, yeah, what, what you can enjoy in your daily life and never, never look, okay, that might be better in, in, a, in a week or in a year or maybe in 10 years. That is quite important. And if you cannot uh, succeed to change it into, into, into your direction that you like it, then you might maybe take uh, another pathway and go into another direction. Now, that is uh, for me quite important. And that is uh, how I drive then also my decision making for steps in, into a next uh, topic or, or a next uh, challenge. And very important, don't forget the ones who are important for you. So even if the business is quite uh, intensive, it's always very important that you have some uh, very important contacts with your family and with your social contacts. Don't forget that. Absolutely. Super important. Yeah. Andrea, what is that for you? Yeah, in my opinion, you should be always open to new things. So open for changes. So for everything what is new so you should allow these uh, changes also what for new things coming up and for this one then you should also not limit yourself so a, a limit is only arising in your head and in my opinion you must really apply this openness in a professional life but also in the private life that the whole life is a learning process and that should be with fun and that should could happen then with your openness to all the topics what's came up mm -hmm. And the life motto is then stay open or something like stay that. Stay open, so, open so. for new things always. Mm -hmm. And now, Gustav, the last question for you, or let's say the last two questions. How do you define happiness yeah. and what's your motto in life? Yeah, first of all, I, as you said, this is this target thing, no? to strive for something. And, and for sure, we as, as managers are 
we have this behavior, right? To, to look for the next target and to fill things like that. And what I always try also in terms of to balance that a little bit out is, is this motto, okay, life happens now. Stay in today and, and try to, to live now, right? And to find happiness in, in a more, more on a daily basis, no? because I would say at the end of the day, it's most of the time the small things brings a lot of happiness instead of, okay, what's happened in two years or something like that. Hmm? This is something what really works for me. And then in terms of happiness, in general, I would say it's, it's all about healthy and, and good relationships. So important. Yeah. And actually yeah. what you all summarized, actually, um, that is so true that the, all those little things are so important and to be there in the presence and to not forget, doesn't matter how important you come, you climb the career ladder and so on. So who is actually there for you now, be it family, be it friends and so on. And to have always this balance and what, what defines you and what defines happiness now, all those little important things. And I hope that in those, not exactly two hours, but one and a half hours, you could be present there because I had the feeling you were. <laughs> so I enjoy it very much. Thank you very much for this discussion, for making it very transparent, how you contribute, let's say, be it to a sustainable approach, be it to a, Uh, innovation screening, be it to establishing strategic partnerships, how you go along with that, how, how you actually do that. You made it very, very transparent for us and for our, our audience so that when people are working on some inspiring, interesting ideas so that they can really reach out and also know where to find you and how to find you, how to really cut through the noise so that uh, they get to the right context and can make it a bit faster, let's say, for all of us, basically, because we are fighting all for the same reason, right? To save our planet, to make our life better and more sustainable and yeah, more enjoyable in the end. No? So thank you very much for this amazing presence, for all your contribution. It was a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank Bye. you. Thanks a lot Bye. to all of you. There are many ways to achieve a more sustainable future. There are many companies and innovative leaders who choose and actively go very different ways. Let's just not forget one thing. No matter how different the ways are, the big goal is one and the same. See you very soon in the next episode.